trying to begin a series. We're going to begin the Genesis series. Now, those of you who were tracking with CCF Manila, you will know that this series was conducted last year. But we're going to start. Do you believe that no matter how many times you read the Bible or hear a message, God has something to convey to you? So it's not bad to repeat. Right? So I will repeat. This is the Genesis series. And the title for this morning as in Manila is God. Stand in awe of Him. Do you wonder why God created you? Do you wonder how God created all of these beautiful places in the world? We should be in awe of God. Wow. You know, I often wonder, God, why, why did you create me? I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 8. Who is man that you are mindful of me? Who am I? There's one of the favorite songs that I have. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth? Who am I? That God would mind me. God, stand in awe of him. Why is Genesis important? Why is Genesis important? You know, if you cannot find the book of Genesis in your Bible, we have a major problem. Major, major problem. Maybe you cannot find maps. That's okay. Maybe you do not know where your concordance is. That's okay. But if you do not know where the book of Genesis is, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Why is Genesis important? I submit to all of us. If we are not convinced of what is written in the book of Genesis, we can stop going to church, you can throw away your Bibles, you should stop reading your Bible and attending all kinds of Bible studies because the rest is false. The rest of it will just be a lie. So Genesis is really very important to study. Why? The word Genesis means beginning. Many times we like to study the end. But before you can get to the end, we have to study the beginning. Right? I like to watch in Velocity Channel how they are made. You like that? Yesterday was... Uh, how they made the KTM. You know KTM? KTM is a motorcycle brand, those of you who like to bike. But yesterday, they showed how the KTM crossbow is being made. The KTM crossbow is a sports car powered by an Audi engine. They build the frame by hand. Many times we see the finished product. We do not know the process. Therefore, we cannot appreciate the finished product because we do not appreciate the process. Today, we start 
from the book of Genesis. And why is Genesis important? Because Genesis is the first book. If you cannot find this other book, we also have a problem. These are what we call bookends. Why is Genesis important? Because in Genesis, we study the origin of the universe, world, life, man. We get to study how sin entered the world. We get to study about death brought about by sin. We get to study pain and suffering. And we learn about the tree of life which was forbidden by God. In the book of Revelation, we see the end of sin. We see no more death. We see no more pain and suffering. And we see the tree of life freely being offered. So it's important to study Genesis so that we can also appreciate the book of Revelation. Now, as we go through this series, we will see and we will go through this outline. Four great events. The creation in Genesis 1 and 2. The fall of man, Genesis 3 to 5. The flood, of course, we Filipinos, we know the flood. You know, from, from Genesis 6 through 9. And then how the nations were born, the Tower of Babel, from Genesis 10 to 11. And from Genesis 12 to 50, we're going to study four great people. Abraham, from Genesis 12 to 24. His son Isaac, in Filipino, Isaac. In the U.S., Isaac. Then Jacob, chapter 27 to 36. And then Joseph, that Pastor Desmond Chan shared with us from chapter 37 to 50. The four great events are deal with primeval history, while the four great people deal with patriarchal history. The first four great events deal with the beginning of man. The, la the four great people deal with the beginning of the Hebrew race. And so on and so forth. The four great events represent about 20% of the book of Genesis, while the four great people, about 286 years, represent about 80% of the book of Genesis. We're going to read scripture this morning, but if I ask you to stand, you might laugh. Why? Because we're going to read just one. Can we all read this together? In the beginning, together please. Once more again with feelings. In That's it. Why is this verse important? You see, if you don't believe in the book of Genesis, if you don't believe in this passage, the rest you just throw out. Well, nobody was there when the book of Genesis was written. Nobody was there. How do I know it's true, etc., etc.? So if you and I are not convinced, if you and I do not believe this very basic truth, throw out the rest of your Bible. This is of most importance. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, lover of our souls, 
We thank you that we can study your word with freedom. We thank you, Lord God, that your word will last. Even when heaven and earth pass away, your word stands forever. Speak to all of us, Lord God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and our minds and our hearts that we might understand your word and appreciate how great and awesome you are. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's our title this morning? God, stand in awe of Him. In the beginning, God. The word God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is written as Elohim. In the beginning, God. Elohim. What does that name mean? God, Elohim. El means almighty. We sang about the mightiness of God this morning. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The Bible tells us the Lord God alone is holy. To whom will we compare Him? There is none like God. God alone is holy. Elohim means, El means almighty. He can do whatever He wants. He is more than capable to create. When He says, it just simply happens. Because He is almighty. Now, if you had the Im, the Im means plural. So you put the two together, what do you have? Like a cherub. A cherub is an angel. If you add im, it means cherubim, which means angels. Now, if you look at it, it's grammatically wrong. In the beginning, God, singular. But the word Elohim is plural. Is the Bible wrong? Are we confused? We did not pass elementary English? No. Because look, he says, God, Elohim, in Genesis chapter 126. Can we read this? Then the Lord, then God said, let. Okay, this group had breakfast. Okay, this group. I can hear this group had breakfast. Again, then God said. That creeps on the earth. So let us. Elohim. Plural. So who is he talking to? Ah, we have to send him to mental health. He's talking to himself. No. Plural. Let us make man in our image. So believe it or not. You and I. We are created in the image of God. God created you and I as spiritual beings as well. Do you believe that? You are not just flesh and blood. God created a spirit, soul, and body. 
He said, let us make man in what? Our image. Now, who was there? Genesis 1 verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the what? The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. How many now? In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, God, Elohim, plural, created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, what? Who is there? Two. More than one is already what? Plural. Right? Who else was there? John chapter 1. Can we read this? In the beginning, and the word was, and the word was, he was, verse 3, all things. Who is John chapter 1 talking about? Jesus. Where was Jesus? He was in the beginning. And who is Jesus? So it is right to say, in the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, God, plural, yet one God created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? You see, many people believe that Jesus Christ only became, quote-unquote, God when he was born. He was in the beginning with God. He is God. Without him, nothing in all creation could have been created. So who was involved in creation? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, Elohim, plural, created the heavens and the earth. Amen? God created the heavens and the earth. How do I know? For by Him, referring to Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. All things have been created through Him and for Him. So why are you created? For Him. For God. We are not created for ourselves. God created us for Him. Even if sometimes you think, God, you know, when you have problems, why on earth did you create me? Did you just create me to go through this suffering? Did you create me to punish me? My friends, my brothers and sisters, God created us so that we could get to know Him. It is for Him that we are created. Ah, you know, God was alone there. They were just three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's kind of boring. So maybe God created us because He felt alone. He had nothing better to do. So God created us. Almighty God, Elohim, is eternal, self-sufficient, all-knowing and all-wise. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign and He is good. Nothing that you and I can do can add or take away to who God already is. When we obey Him, we don't add anything to His glory. 
When we disobey Him, we don't take anything from who He is. God is all-sufficient, all-sustaining. He is okay just by Himself. But He created us so that we could get to know Him. He is eternal. What did He do? Before the mountains were born, you or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We Filipinos know everlasting because we go up to Baguio and we buy the everlasting. The ever, those of you who were born here, you do not know that. But those of us who are white hair already, you know that. You go down... Session Road, you go to the market and you buy everlasting. Why? Because it's like they don't wither. That's why we call them everlasting. But you see, time is a concept only to man. Time is a concept only to man. What time do we come to worship? 9.30. What time are we supposed to end? 11 o'clock. We, we, we rule our lives based on time. But God is above time. Do you know that, God, that there are physical properties of time? The most accurate clock is called the atomic clock. There is one in Colorado. It is, every year, it only misses by one second. You like to own such a timepiece? It's only off by one second. Sometimes I have to adjust my, my watch because my watch is in a hurry. It, 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 sometimes when I look at it, it's 10 minutes advanced, so I have to fix it. The atomic clock in Colorado is off every year only by one second. You like a timepiece like that? Yes? There is another atomic clock that is located in England. You would assume that because of our human concept of time, that the time in the atomic clock in Colorado would be exactly the same time as the atomic clock in England. Yes or no? Or, right? But they are off. They're not in sync. Why? You know why? Because the atomic clock located in Boulder, Colorado, is 5,000, I want to be sure, 5,000 feet above sea level. The atomic clock in England is 80 feet below sea level. Therefore, there is an impact of gravity on time. We just know, what, what time is it? Tick, 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 tick. But there are, there's an impact on where you are in the world and how gravity impacts time. If, for example, you go into space and you travel at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, you are Neil Armstrong, for example. You, go, you ride the spaceship, you go towards Mars, or whatever. So, because gravity... You know, at a certain height, 
you lose the gravitational pull of the earth. So your clock in the world here in LA, tick, 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 right? So one minute here or one hour here, would it be the same up in space? There are physical properties to time. If you travel farther and farther away, the earth just keeps on revolving on its axis. Time on the earth is beginning to be different compared to time as you know it while you're traveling in space. It's been said that if you go at the speed of light for nine years going and then you come back, how many is that? Nine times two, 18. 18 years. Nine years going, you're coming back. Nine years coming back, 18. It's been said, when you come back, the people whom you leave behind. For example, you have a twin. You have a twin. You go. You leave your twin. You ride. Nine years. Nine years coming back. How many? 18. You will be two years younger than your twin. Oh, that's good. That's good now. So what's the point? Time has physical properties. Now when we say God is eternal, He is before all things. Right? He will be after all things. When we say that God is eternal, He is not bound by time. Only we are bound by time. We know time as past, present, and future. Right? That's our concept of time. But God, because He's eternal, there is a geometry to eternity. The way I can, as Pastor Peter shared, the way for us to conceptualize this is you're watching a parade. How many of you like to watch the Macy's parade? Even on TV. Or if you go to Disneyland, diba? At in the evening they have a parade. Oh, who are the characters that go out in Disneyland? Okay, Mickey Mouse. So you're here. You're here, right? You're here. You're watching. Who's coming? Mickey Mouse. He's coming, right? And then he's right before you. you become, what, what concept of time is that now? And then he will go there. Who's coming next? Oh, Cinderella. Mag-aaway pa tayo. Okay, Cinderella na lang. Diba? Cinderella. Okay. Cinderella. Okay, coming. Future. Cinderella. And then? Present. And then? Who's next? Oh, Snoopy. May Snoopy. Oh, whoever. <laughs> Hindi Disneyland yun. Si Pluto pala. Si Pluto. Whatever. You know the idea, right? You know the idea. What am I getting at? Here. And then I see. And then gone. Correct? How do I get to see all of them at the same time? How do I get to see all of them at the same time? The past, the present, and the future. How? Look at the geometry. Very simple. Yet very complex. I go up. When I go high, I can see all of them at the same time. Yes or no? If I'm on this level, I just see what I can see. But if I go up, I can see everything going on at the same time. 
God is almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is not bound by the concept of time. He does not need us. He is all-sufficient, all-sustaining, all-wise. Yet in his wisdom, what did he do? Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you what? Created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. Who told God to create? No one. How does God create? Just by His will. When He speaks, it comes into being. When He said, let there be light, what happened? Ah, ka, pag-isipan ko. No, it came to pass. By His will, they existed and were created. God, nobody told God what to do. God does as He pleases. God is sovereign. That's why when Job was about to sin, he was pouring out his complaint to God. God finally spoke and God told Job, Job, were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when the mountains were born? If you were there, Maybe you can tell me something, but you weren't there. So who are you to tell me what to do? Do you tell God what to do? Sometimes I tell God what to do. How? Lord, this is my prayer. And by the way, this is how you will answer my prayer. Did you not just tell God what to do? God, I need a job. You know, I'm just fresh out of college and I want to repay my student loan. So God, I need a job. Can you make me executive vice president <laughs> of Google? You don't do that. When you ask, you wait for God to answer. You don't tell God. We don't tell God what to do. God, Elohim, God, stand in awe of him. Who is man? That you are mindful of him. Who are you? Who am I? In the beginning, God created. So in the beginning, who was there? God. There was nobody else. Just God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He created. Now that word created in Latin means ex nihilo. Hindi siya nahilo. Ex nihilo. Okay? Yeah, he, he didn't, you know, he... he oy, na, what happened? Oh, sorry, I made... No? He intended. Ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. You and I, we create something out of what? Ingredients. Correct? We build cars from parts. We create a cake. We bake a cake. You have flour, you have butter, you have baking soda, all of this. You need an oven. God created out of nothing. Ex nihilo. You see, many times the English language is very uh, lacking. When we say created, the first thing that comes to our mind is, okay, 
I got this part, I put them together, now they're working. See, I created something. God created out of nothing. Out of nothing. He just spoke and it came to be. He just spoke and it came to be. You see, why is this important? Why is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 important? Because we are bombarded with all of this scientific stuff. And many times, they keep on telling us, you evolved. You came from a monkey. Many times, you hear it often enough, you begin to believe. You're a mistake. If you have parents, bombard. If you're not careful, you begin to believe. So why is creation important? Because the world is telling us so many fallacies, so many half-truths that we begin to believe. Why is creation no longer allowed to be taught in school? Yes. <laughs> exactly my point. Because Ah, no, we don't teach that because that is spiritual. We don't teach that because that is religion. We only teach science. But there is no, there's really no conflict. There's really no conflict between biblical creation and science. Now, why don't they like creationism? Why don't they believe that God created? Why? Because it refutes atheism. Creation is the work of God's hand. And you're an atheist. You're not supposed to believe that there is God. So when you trip, all you can say is, oh. Because you have no God. Correct? You don't believe in God, so you cannot. Oh, oh my. Hanggang na lang. Because you don't believe that there is a God. But now you're Christian, you add G. Oh my gosh. Ah. It refutes atheism. Creation, it refutes evolution. For the universe was created and did not evolve. You believe that you are from the monkey? I don't know about you. I was not created from the monkey. You may look like, yeah. <laughs> but, no. You're not created from a monkey. God created. And He created you. No factory defect. Everything and everyone God created is perfect. Because God does not make mistakes. It refutes atheism, it refutes evolution, it also refutes materialism, for the universe did not always exist. You see, materialism means that there was matter some many, many millions and billions of years ago. And over time, you have the world and man and all of this. Creating God 
created. God made the heavens and the earth. It also refutes polytheism. Why? In the beginning, God. One God. In the person of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We believe in the triune God. There is only one God. And the world has to do, what does the world manage to accomplish? Oh, they're all the same. All these gods point to the same God anyway. We just call our God by a different name. There is only one God. It refutes pantheism. For God is apart, meaning to say separate from his creation and independent of his creation. Pantheism promotes that God is a part. You understand the difference? The difference between a part, he is independent. Pantheism says God is a part of his creation. Therefore, since you are also created to stretch it, you can also be what? You see? But there is only one God. You see, there are different fields in science that actually collaborate the Bible. There should not be any conflict in God having created the heavens and the earth. But you see, like scientific law, it is a statement based on repeated experimental observations that describe some aspects of the universe. A scientific law always applies under the same conditions and implies that there is a casual relationship involving its elements. That's why it is called a law. On the other hand, you have theory. Scientific theory is a coherent group of propositions formulated to explain a group of facts or phenomena in the natural world and repeatedly confirmed through experiment or observation. Hence, the scientific what? Theory of evolution. Now, which is higher? A theory or a law? Law. Therefore, true science is observable. True science is demonstrable. And true science is repeatable. If you can do it, you can see it, you can replicate it, then those are the qualifiers. Yes, this is true. If you do it, you try to repeat it, it cannot be done, cannot pass. So have that in mind. Alright? Have that in mind. True science does not conflict the Bible. But what is the world trying to teach us? It all started with a big bang. Do you believe that you are a byproduct of the Big Bang? Scientists, by saying that it started with the Big Bang, actually validate, approve that there is creation. Huh? How? Because they are saying that there's a beginning. Because when you say it started with the Big Bang, it means that it started somewhere. Yes? So there is a beginning. The problem is, what created that Big Bang? What was there? 
you know, when we have an explosion, TNT, dynamite, you should have maybe gunpowder. You should have a heat source. Correct? A big bang daw eh. A fuse. Big bang. Bang! What caused the bang? Where did that ignition come from? Where did that heat come from? You see, by the saying that it started with a big bang, means that something was there or someone was there that allowed the big bang. Therefore, it's not really contradictory when you say there's a big bang. Okay, good. That means you agree there was really a beginning. We're okay with it? Second, non-life to life. You used to be a stone. Non-life. Eh. Ay, ako pastor chair. Okay, whatever. And then, you became a human being. Non-life to life. Third, chance. Ah. In Filipino, what do we call this? Chamba. You just happened to exist. Chamba. I don't like to play billiards because I rely on chamba. I'm not very good in geometry. So I don't play it. Chamba. You believe that your, your existence is just chamba? Fourth, a simple cell to complex life. The single Celled animal is what? Amoeba. You like that you came from an amoeba? From a single, simple cell, you became who you are. But if you have amoeba, I will see you at the ER. <laughs> correct or not correct? See that? Ah, if you don't believe, don't worry. Because all of this took time. It took time. So for example, you want to reprove this. Okay, I get a washing machine. I get the parts. And then I turn on. Spin cycle. Then when I open it, toaster na toaster. Para simple. Toaster oven. You believe? Cannot. Oh, you don't believe kasi it takes time. Millions and billions of years to evolve. So that they turn on the washing machine. Millions and billions of years. And then, voila. It became a toaster. I submit to you it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there is Elohim and Elohim created you. Elohim created me. Now, it all started with the Big Bang. That's what they say. But then the Kalam cosmological argument defeats it. Whatever has a beginning has a cause. The universe had a beginning. That's why, oh, Big Bang. So where did that begin? The universe must have a cause. Why did it just come to pass? 
Why, what is the purpose of all of this? It defeats their own saying. Second, non-living matter produce life. This violates the law of biogenesis that only life comes from life. You cannot have life from non-living matter. Life produces life. God created the heavens and the earth. So there is this one very philosophical, very wise scientist who decided that he will talk to God. So he said, God, we can now clone humans, make life, which is really a fallacy because it's just a high-end protein. It's not really life. And take care of ourselves and we don't need you anymore. God said, it's okay. That's fine. But I want to challenge you to a contest before I let you go. Each of us has to create our own human using nothing but dirt. And the first done wins. So the scientist agreed and reached down to start making his human. And God stops him and says, Whoa, make your own dirt. <laughs> it's very easy for the scientists to say that we will create. But the materials that they used to create, where did that come from? No problem. You want to create? Okay. Start. Oh, 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 oh. that's my dirt. Uh, that's my clay. I will make a an, an, uh, giraffe. Oh, 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 I made the giraffe. You have no idea what a giraffe is until and unless I created it, God will say. You want to test God? Sure, fine. Oh, that's mine. I create. Oh, that one too. So you can create, but you can create something from something. But only God created Ex nihilo. He created from nothing. Random chance resulted in life. Yan. You used to be a speck of dust. And then you became a pebble. And then you became a rock. And then you became a boulder. And then you became a human being. Simple. From non-life, I speck of dust, etc. You believe that? Can I show you the anatomy of the human cell? The cell membrane is like the wall. It determines what can enter or leave the cell. That's why when they do, uh, you know, this TV thing, and then when they try to do something, they have to pierce the cell membrane to introduce something. For example, in vitro fertilization. Okay. So there you have the cell membrane. And then you have the mitochondria. I'm not a doctor. Okay? The pow power the cell by burning fuel that they get from the food you eat. Oh, the food you eat, it will, etc., etc. It goes to the mitochondria. The centrioles, they help the cells make more cells. Okay? This is just one cell. The lysosomes. Protect the cell by destroying invaders and getting rid of broken down organelles 
breaking down nutrients into smaller usable units. And then, you have the end endoplasmic reticulum. ER na lang ER. Delivers chemicals to where they are needed and sends waste out of the cell. So there is an input, there's also an output. There is power being supplied to the cell, it metabolizes it, and it also excretes it. The Golgi body stores chemicals and sends them to where they are needed. May manager. And then, you have the nucleus, the control center of the cell that contains the DNA and the RNA and the nucleoles. That is one cell. Is that simple? Eh, they say, you know, it evolved from a simple to complex. The human cell is already complex. Where did it come from? Dati kasi batuka. Minsan nababato pa rin tayo. You used to be a stone. Now you're this complex thing. Now, not only that, this one cell. How about this one? What is that? The DNA. The deoxyribonucleic acid. Don't ask me to explain that because I'm not a doctor. But you know because of the advances in medicine and of science, there are many criminals who are now released from jail because of what? DNA. It was not them. They took a sample. They ran it through whatever it is. Then the DNA, it is your fingerprint of who you are in the makeup of your cells. It contains all the information about the person. That's why they're able to distinguish who you are. You are, let me see DNA. That's why your father. I am the father. Let's check the DNA. You are not the father. You watch that on TV? <laughs> the results are in. You are not the father. <laughs> you are the father. Whatever the results, there's always a reaction. Now, look at how complex. The DNA out of one cell is, if you stretch out the formula, is two meters, about six feet long. DNA out of every cell in your body, DNA of one cell is about six feet. DNA out of your whole body okay, would reach the sun and back more than 70 times. Why? Scientists say, that there are 32.7 trillion cells in one human body. 32.7 trillion times six feet. Do not ask me, like Sean, mathematics. Never mind. We are so complex that it cannot be that we evolve out of something so simple. We are complex. Just ask my wife. She will say I'm a complex individual. We are complex. Simple forms into complex forms of life in time. 
This violates the second law of thermodynamics, that orderly things become disordered, new things get old and break down, living things age and wear out. Do you believe this? Do I need to prove that we are aging? Do I need to prove to you that we are breaking down? Look at your face, look at your skin, look at how many hairs you have left. <laughs> this violates the law of entropy. It violates the law of entropy. Over time, you don't improve. Actually, over time, you degrade. But they said over time. Eh? From nothing, came, you became so complex. It's actually the reverse. How about this? Yeah, magic factor, time. Time in a battle. Just give it enough time. And it will evolve. That's not true. The geologic clock contradicts billions of years of theory. They say that the earth is X number, billions of years, etc., etc. Correct? Oh, we found this bone. Oh, we found this fossil. It's billions of years. Therefore, really, man really evolved. Because it took a long while, really. Well, according to their method, the radiometric dating method, or the carbon-14, is a dating method that measures the percentage of unstainable, un unstable carbon-14 isotopes in one's living objects, supposedly giving the number of years since the specimen died. So they do carbon dating to determine how old the fossil was, and then they come out with this report. X millions, X billions of years, okay? Now here's the problem. In their own test, the mollusks, if you study your uh, biology, the mollusks, the talabah, right? Ano pa? The tahong. Oysters and mussels. They're from the mollusk family. Now what happened? It was still living. They did the carbon-14 dating. What did they say? It's 2,300 years. Still alive. A mortar, a piece of brick from an 800-year-old English castle. Same procedure. Oh, 7,370 years. I already told you it's 800 years. Eh? Fresh seal skins. Dated 1,300 years. You see how inaccurate it is? Why? Because it's a human theory. True science is what? Observable? Demonstrable? Repeatable? This is not exact science. Ayo pa rin. Mm. Cosmic dust. Okay? In, we, there's cosmic dust in the universe. So it's supposed to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. In the world, you have rain, you have four seasons, it could wash away. How about the moon? The gravitational pull in the moon is less. There's no rain in the moon. Therefore, the amount of dust that it should accumulate should be far more than what we would expect if they say that all of these things existed in millions and billions of years. Correct? Now, Earth and moon together gather dust from the cosmos regularly. Now, when Neil Armstrong 
step on the moon for the first time. Do you see his footprint? Why can you see his footprint? Because there is only an eighth of an inch to three inches which were formed which could maybe accumulate only over a period of 8,000 years. Not the millions and billions of years that they would like us to believe. Erosion. Topsoil erosion. Part-time science class. Huh? The water will evaporate. It will become clouds. It will rain. The rain will come down on the ground. The, gro the ground will go down. You know? It's a cycle, right? Okay. At the, the current rate of erosion, the continents would erode flat in 14 million years. No more mountains, just flat. 14 million years. Only a few thousand years of sediment are on the ocean floors today. That's why you still have the mountains. Because the earth is not millions and billions of years. The oldest tree, the, bris br the bristlecone pine, which is in the White Mountains bordering California and Nevada. It's only a little less than 5,000 years old according to the growth rings. What are the growth rings? When you cut the tree, you will see how many rings. Those are the number of years that the tree has been alive. It's only 5,000 years. The moon is receding. Not only is our hairline receding hill, the moon is receding. Meaning to say, it goes back. It goes back. It goes back two inches per year. This would mean that the moon and the earth would have been touching two billion years ago. If the earth is 4.6 billion billion years old, the moon should have been out of sight by now. That's science. How about the sun? The sun is shrinking, believe it or not, five feet per hour or one thousand or one percent per thousand years. Eight hundred forty thousand miles in diameter at present. If you do the math, twenty million years ago, the surface of the sun would have been touching the earth. We just go to the beach. What do you do? Sunblock, sunblock. And they say that the, the earth is millions and billions of years. So if that is true, 20 million years ago, we're just breadcrumbs because of the heat of the sun. This Nobel Peace Prize awardee, George Wald, said this, I will not accept that creation philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, spontaneous generation arising to evolution. He is a Nobel Peace Prize awardee. And he's a scientist. And he says, he chooses be above overwhelming evidence contrary to spontaneous generation. He just has, because I'm a scientist, 
I have to deny. I will choose not to accept to believe in God. It would have been better if he's not a scientist. If he's just, let's say, a mere atheist. But here is a scientist, a Nobel Peace Prize awardee, and saying, because I'm a scientist, I choose not to believe in God despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. See, friends, the Bible and what it says is really taken by faith. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God created ex nihilo. God created something out of nothing. He created something out of things which were not visible. And the greatest tragedy for a human being in Romans chapter 1 is this. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been created so that they are without excuse. God introduces himself to his creation through his creation. How did the birds come to be? How were the mountains formed? How do we have oxygen? Why does the sun rise in the morning and set in the evening? Why are things in place? Why don't the planets collide? Because God put them in order. Because God put them in place. And the greatest insult, the greatest form of idolatry is to not recognize that there is God when He has been introducing Himself through His creation. That's why man, when the time comes, they will not have any excuse. God will say, I have been introducing myself to you through what I have created. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise, they became and what? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That is the greatest idolatry, my friends. All of these statues from our former religion and stuff. Here is the main problem. That in our heart, we do not honor God for who He is. 
And instead of worshiping God who created me, I create, I worship the other things, the other people that God created. That is the worst form of idolatry. That we would give our worship to someone or something else. He said we have no excuse. He has been trying to tell us, I made you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Ah. It's not even Sunday yet. That is the greatest tragedy, my friends. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created you. He created me. And it says in Jeremiah, Our Lord God, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. This is an old CCF song. I think this is song number two. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy not stretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, great and mighty God, great and counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, God, you just don't know my problems. Doctor told me a bad report. They say that it's hopeless. Is there anything too difficult for God? None. If he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, if he created you for a love relationship, there is nothing that is too difficult for God. Amen? But we are convinced by the world through science. Do you know that even Bill Gates acknowledges that because of the design of the cell, this is really information technology. It's like a factory. It's a complex thing that there must be a creator who designed this. Bill Gates. Thou hast created the heavens and the earth, O God. Nothing shall be too difficult for thee. And if in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if the creation is so beautiful, indescribable, and majestic, how much more is God? God. God created us. Psalm 139 says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. God wants to get to know you, and God wants you to get to know him. When we stand in awe of God, I submit to you that our only recourse, our only response is to worship him, is to give him thanks. Oh, thank you, God, for creating me. Thank you, God, for loving me. God, stand in awe of him.
would you create me? God, why would you create us? When you are eternal, all-powerful, all-sufficient, God, I want to know you. God, I want to thank you. God, I want to worship you. We're going to worship God this morning by celebrating the Lord's table. Can we have the elements distributed, please? Men, can you please help as we dip, distribute the juice and the bread? Oh, yung mga men. Pagka hindi kayo sigurado. Okay. Okay, here we have the juice and the bread. Now, this is a celebration and a time of reflection as well. The Bible tells us that you can partake of the Lord's table if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul warned us in 1 Corinthians that we should have Jesus in our hearts and we're willing to turn away from all of sin. And if you're not willing to do that, if you have not yet come to a personal knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then please inhibit yourself from partaking. And while the elements are being distributed, let me show you some pictures of God's creation. Butterfly. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Look at the earth. Look at our solar system. Look how organized it is. The, the planets don't clash. The seasons come just in time. The sun sets, the sun rises just in time. We experience God's creation when we think we're the only thing that God created. But look at this. Look at the Milky Way galaxy about 120,000 light years away. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, Pastor, I can't see where I am. Well, you're right there. You see yourself there? There you are. Look, I can see Lance right there. See? The closest to us would be the Andromeda galaxy. Look at how beautiful it is. And you believe that all of this came by accident? You believe that all of this is simply by chance? Chamba? It just happened over time? Can you please raise your hand if you don't have the elements yet so that our gentlemen can pass the elements to you? While you're waiting, for the others to receive their elements. Will you be in an attitude of prayer this morning? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart? Number one question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever come to that point of opening up your heart to Jesus and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I need salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Come into my life, be my Savior and my Master. Second question. Are you cherishing some kind of sin in your heart? Not willing to give it up to the Lord. Could be 
interpersonal relationships. Could be maybe you're angry and bitter towards somebody else. Problem at home. A personal sin that nobody knows but God knows. Bible tells us that if we cherish sin in our heart, God would not hear us. Be in prayer this morning. Even before we partake. If this morning you are here and you're not sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, can you talk to him? Don't talk to your neighbor. Just talk to Jesus and tell him, Lord, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for coming into my life. Help me become the kind of disciple that you want me to be. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with that sin, can you please ask God to help you? Creator of the universe, help me overcome sin because Jesus Christ paid for that sin. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Take and eat all of you. Let's partake of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup representing his blood. And after giving thanks, he said, Take this cup, which is the new covenant in my blood, which is given for the forgiveness of sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving up your body and shedding your blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Lord, please teach us to have hatred for sin, knowing that you paid the precious price for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls. This is the cup of the new covenant, Lord Jesus, and we partake in remembrance of you until your coming. Let us partake of the juice. God of wonders, God who created everything out of nothing, we give you thanks. We worship you. We praise you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for creating us to have a love relationship with you. Teach us, Lord God, to appreciate you. Teach us, Lord God, to appreciate what you give us. Teach us, Lord God, to always give you thanks and worship you, not for what you can do or what you can give, but that we learn to worship you for who you are. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, God the Father. We worship you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.